from the Los Angeles Underground. It's time for your new favorite podcast, The Superiority Complex. It's like honey in your ear holes. Welcome back to Superiority Complex, everybody, your new favorite po- podcast. I'm peeking. I got distracted there because I'm peeking, which sounds uh, something like, like a medical It sounds condition. mildly sexual, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I'm peeking. Almost. Almost. <laughs> there we <are. laughs> The only thing funny from, from the family guy ever. The first uh, couple seasons are funny, but yeah. Um, and of course, all the Star Wars parodies are funny. Falls off very quickly. Mm. Mm, mm. <laughs> mm. I have high standards for comedy, so I just want to remind everybody of that. Mm. I don't want you to think of a snob. I see. I just have higher standards for comedy than most people. So, does that I sound? Laugh at biggest dickest from Life of Brian. Oh my God! I no. will laugh my, like an idiot. <laughs> I will laugh like a child at that. Does anyone care to have a giggle when I mention my friend <laughs> Biggest Dickus? I don't find anything funny about the name Nickers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys sound terrible. Thank uh, you. I apologize for the way Jake and and, uh, and John sound. Uh, we've been having issues uh, slowly but surely. I, you're right, Jake. It might be my soundboard or the computer I use. The you know the ten year old laptop I'm using <laughs> to uh, coordinate everything. So uh, we're having some issues. We've been having issues. I'm sick of it. I want to get back in the studio. And now COVID has reared its ugly head again. Uh, I just, I just, you know, all you, listen, I don't, I'm not a person who likes to place blame. But all you assholes who didn't go and get vaccinated in the first wave, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. All you dummies. And I'm using finger quotes here. Doing your research on YouTube. Listening to jackholes like Joe Rogan, yeah. Because if your if your goal was to f us in the A, you've f us in the A. That's Look, all I got. To say. I've been taking horse dewormer for six months now, and it it hasn't done me any harm. John, yeah, right? Bef- John is one hundred percent worm free. John, I don't want to get into. I don't want to get too into <laughs> politics. So, so let's let's. Yeah, but you started it. I know, but well, no, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to tie. I'm going to tie a lifeline to you, journey of the senator your style, and I'm going to I'm going to yank it as soon as you you uh, as soon as we go off too far. I'm going to pull the lifeline. Did I just read something that there's a county in Arizona that refuses to uh, to verify the uh, the the election results, and it's holding everything up? That was predictable. Why? We knew that was going to happen. That's what's her name? That Katie Porter, right? Or no, what's her name? Um, I'm sorry, not Katie Porter. Who is it? It's uh, who's the one that's holding it up? Can't think of her name. Can you arrest? Can can you can you find a county? Can you do something to a county who just refuses to who or who withhold the election information or the election results in their county? That should be a thing. If that's not a thing, that needs to be a thing. But just look how desperate you know? they just they're just so desperate to hold on to power they'll do anything. And then they're, they're and then the, the frustrating part is it's the most corrupt bullshit you've ever seen in your life. And there are people that are going, No, no, no. We're upholding democracy. God, I'm I'm sick of oh. You know, democracy is voting, 
right? Everyone gets an everyone gets their vote, right? There's people. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it right now. I'm gonna say the most elitist thing I've ever seen. There are people in this country that should not vote, and it's not the people. The people that should not vote. Those people think that there's a certain demographic that shouldn't vote, and that's not the demographic I'm talking about. The demographic I'm talking about is that they shouldn't be allowed to vote. Right. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you uh, you supported an insurrectionist? Guess what? You lost your right to vote for the next 20 years. This is America. I have the right to speak my mind, okay? Freedom mm-hmm. of speech, Mario. I know. I can, yell, I can yell fire in a theater if I feel like it, all right? Right to freedom of speech. That's how the, main th- the main thing is, let's just not... <laughs> they're making it too hard for people to vote. You know what I mean? That's the problem. Yeah. If the only, if the only way you can win is by obstructing the way to the polls that that's a problem <laughs> but they don't but they don't see that as a problem they'll they'll tell you no this, no no they'll tell you this is what needs to be done because, because it's the only way they... there's so much fraud and so no, this is it's... the only way we can we can verify we need id we need you to do this we need you, you to know do that. anytime they do like a deep dive on this like they have an impartial um sort of study on fraud at the polls, they say it's a drop in the bucket. It's in like the double digits for the whole country. It doesn't happen. People don't do it. You know what I mean? All this, so that this is all just a lot of smokescreen. It's a lot of hoo-ha. It's about nothing. They say this does not happen on a large scale. You might get one here or one there. It never adds up to anything near what would change an election. The one time there was zero voter fraud was the year that Trump got elected. Did you guys know that? <laughs> By the way, Jake, I was looking for you. You're my freedom of speech. This is a little quote I like to tell when I'm, when I'm in internet arguments, which, you know, I love to do because that's a that's a productive use of my time. Uh, little, Let me ask you a second. Invite you a second. I always cordially, that's why I close my arguments. That's always my closing statement, uh, cordially, because I'm a gentleman inviting people to suck it. But um, uh, it's a, it's a uh, quote from Dean Acheson, uh, who was part of the Truman wow. administration. That's a deep dive. Free speech is, is, is restraint on government, not an incitement to the citizen. I love that quote. Mm-hmm. Free speech is a restraint on government. In other words, the government can't tell you what to say or do. But it's not an incitement for you to do say whatever you want either. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Don't be a fucking people for, asshole. People forget that. Yeah. Don't, about that? don't, don't be that? an asshole. Uh, that was Harry Truman. That was Harry Truman actually said that. Hey, don't be a fucking asshole. Yeah, yeah. That's Truman would say that. That's the way Truman yeah. would hey, say it. Shut your fucking mouth, <laughs> asshole. That's what he said. I heard word for word, verbatim. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. That's right. Asshole. Right. <laughs> And the press said, uh, we'll just snip off the end of that, okay? <laughs> the buck stops mm-hmm. here. Fuck nut. Gordon <laughs> Ramsay said that. Right. That was uh, a Gordon Ramsay quote. Great, great quote. Great quote. Good political quote. Uh, who is your favorite president, uh, Jake? Oh, God. I don't know. I I never, I didn't research a lot of Trump? presidents. I don't remember shit. Trump. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Uh, I liked. I really liked Obama. He got, why would he? Got the short, why would he? Got you? Short end of the stick when it came to representation in Congress and the House. He couldn't get fucking shit passed. Through, well, that so. that was the beginning of the. That was the. That was when the. That was the beginning when, of the end. That was when the Republicans pulled the. Uh, they, they did the Martin Landau, and just pulled the mask off, and they, there was no more disguising the fact that they were just obstructionists. That's it. They just. Yeah. They came right out with it then. So you know, they yeah. would have backpedaled if Obama pulled the race card, you know. 
No, they wouldn't have. They, they wouldn't. That would. They would have leaned into that. Yeah. They wouldn't know what to do. They wouldn't know what to do if you pulled that. Oh, uh, well, uh, well, you know. How about you, Mario? Favorite president? Uh, my man Truman. You know, you know that's my guy. Yeah. That's your guy. Why is he your guy? What makes Harry him your guy? Harry S. Truman. Was there a particular highlight of his of his uh, of his presidency that won you over? Well, you know, a lot like Obama, he kind of um, he kind of inherited a, a, this. You know, when he comes, when yes. he, <laughs> it is. I mean, when when. Uh, when when Roosevelt dies, you have him in a situation where you still have the war going on in in uh, in Asia, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you've got uh, you have a country that's still coming out of the depression. Uh, then you have uh, then you right after the war, you've got everything the Cold War exploding. You've got Russia to deal with. You've got uh, the, the reconstruction of Europe, which, you know, was, was unprecedented at the time. We're the only country in the world. You know, as much as we complain about things, the state of the, this country sometimes, we, we have done some amazing things. And, uh, the, the you know, the Berlin airlift and the subsequent, uh, you know, rebuilding of Europe after, after World War II is one of the things that we can point to and say, hey, look, you know, we're not always jerks. Uh and Truman had a huge hand in that. No, that had never happened before. And, and you know, no country that defeated another country ever uh, turned around and said, "Here, let us help you out of uh, you know your economic uh, your economic uh, uh, quagmire." And uh, that's what we did. So you know, he had a lot to do with that. And I mean, you got a lot of there were some some things he didn't handle well, like the Red Scare. I think he thought I think he thought too much of the American people. He figured people were going to see through the bullshit, which is again. I think uh, Obama had that same issue. I think Obama had that same thing where he's like, oh, people are going to see right through Trump. And so, I, you know, and uh, I don't think that was was the thing with McCarthy. Right. Joe Joe McCarthy, even Eisenhower. Well, they're going to see they're going to see what a schmuck he is. They're not going to follow this guy. Just let it take its course. He's going to he's going to shoot himself in the foot. But it took too long. He took down a lot of good people on the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right. But uh, yeah, but a country of billions of people that are bound to be a decent percentage that are going to fall for the bullshit. Well, you know, and, and then that brings us to Christmas because it's Christmas time. Uh, just remember when you're listening to the old Burl Ives. Jesus. <laughs> Here it comes. Here it comes. Remember that this podcast was brought to you Just by... remember when you're when you're watching Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and you hear, Have a holly jolly Christmas. That's the voice of a guy who named names during the... Uh, mm-hmm. Whenever I watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer with Mario, he always stands up. As soon as the snowman comes out, Mario stands up and goes, that guy named names. Yep, he's a rat. He's a rat. <laughs> Have a holly <laughs> jolly Christmas. It's the best time the of the year. The now will, it's what, time the snowman? for me the to snowman? Yeah, he was a rat. A ruin rat. some <laughs> careers. Have a holly <laughs> jolly Christmas. Yeah. Uh, they could have done one with Pete Seeger as the snowman, I guess. Oh, you never did the, uh, John, I give you F, Mary kill, uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary on the phone last night. You never, you <laughs> never answered. Great. I love it. I love that I was sitting there going, F, Mary kill. I thought it was like a name. F, Mary kill. Like F, Murray, Abraham. You yeah. Know? It's like F, Murray, kill. It's pretty good name. F, Murray, kill. Oh, F, Mary, kill. I get it. Peter, Paul, yeah. and Mary. Which one? Let's go. Let's do it. Mm, let's see. <laughs> Let's see. F. Mary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
right? <laughs> that's that's sure? a no-brainer. Are you sure? No <laughs> well, it's, you know, two guys and a girl, so that's a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I I I uh, harbor no ill will toward Peter Paul and Mary. They're not my favorite, but uh, uh, they sang "Puff the Magic Dragon." Puff really? the Magic Dragon. And then Mario always stands up and goes, they name names. The dragon name names. God damn it. <laughs> why, why doesn't anybody, John, I, you of all people should care about this. I do care. But you are I so, but just, you know what it is? You are such a, funny. but you're such a Rankin Bass fan. Well, that you, that you, you make excuses for, for. I have never made an excuse for bro lives. I've never <laughs> argued the point. I just find it funny. I find it funny that he comes out with the ukulele and the banjo and starts singing about silver and gold and <laughs> holidays. And you're like, see that rat fink? He got up and sold his friends down that the rat road. bastard. I, like, I refuse to watch this. I refuse to watch this cartoon. I still listen to it. I, it's funny because I just like to bring it up every time. It's like a running oh, yeah. joke now where I'm like, you know he named names, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I told you. <laughs> I think, yeah, you're the one I that might, told me. I think I'm the one that started this thing. I probably just sort of like just tossed it off. Like, you know, <laughs> he's one of those guys like Kazan, you know. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's just. Remember that? No, uh, I, remember I, that? Do you remember you that? You have to separate the art from the artist, you know? Do you remember that tense moment at the Oscars a few years ago when the Ilya Kazan came out and Yes, yes. Half the audience got up and applauded. You know, it was like a half a standing ovation. The other half just sort of sat there and, and wouldn't clap. Right. So, um, it's divisive to the end. Divisive to the end. Fun yeah. Times. It's it's rough. It, uh, somebody once said there was no winning in those scenarios. There was no winning. You were either you know, you either they said that's when you really found out. And right. They said it was almost there was almost no way to go because you were either going to, you know, the people that did take a stand a lot of times they never worked again. You know? Right. And the right. ones that did, the ones that did, they probably regretted it the rest of their lives, you know. Right. Right. So I, terrible position to be in. Again, Truman, uh, you know, it's one of the things yeah. he slept on because he just figured, well, people are gonna see through the bullshit. Mm. You know. I don't know. He got an awful lot right, and the th it was a thankless job because I mean what he gets in. He's one of those guys. Nobody ever thought he'd be president. Right. So let's just stick. It's one of those things. Stick him in the vice presidency. And, you know, nobody, he's never going to, you're never going to hear from this guy. Right. And I think what Roosevelt didn't even, he didn't even get a year into this, his fourth term. Right. He dies yeah. months after he gets elected. Right. 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 Yeah. I, I guess you, you could consider yourself lucky that we did have a Truman because uh, there's, those are some of the biggest, you know, biggest decisions that ever went across the president's desk. You're a good egg. You're a good egg, John. Mm, for defending. Truman was a good egg. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. My mom was like a Kennedy. You know, Kennedy was the guy that, that was her favorite. So ever since then, uh, that's it. She's, you, you can, you, the Democrats can do no wrong in my mom's. Uh, yeah. In my mom's. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny that, that there's a whole generation. That, that, sure. Uh, that, uh, sure. Well, a lot of that comes, uh, some of that's residual from uh, FDR. They said some homes would have, you know, two two pictures in the home. You'd have a picture of uh, of Jesus and a picture of FDR. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine well, if we didn't have uh, the, uh, if, if, if we allowed uh, four terms again still? Uh, 
Yeah, you know, it's probably a good move. I guess move I, I guess that. if we were lucky that we had the you know the, a, a person with uh, you know with 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 a certain amount of character as FDR had uh, again absolutely again not well, perfect. Hey, the other side, you know, the Republicans were going nuts because they're like Jesus. You know, some kids, this is the only president they've ever known. He's been in there, you know, four terms. My God, there's no, just like, it just drove him nuts. The people that hated him just thought it was crazy. Right. You know, he just, he just keeps coming back. We cannot get him out of there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the, the, he was the right man at the right time, man. And, well, you know what it was? It was that catchy, uh, it was that uh, theme song that he had for the... Uh, for the first song. <laughs> Happy days are here again. That gets an earworm. That's in there. You, you, you roll that out every four years. That's going to. Well, you know, it was a Hail Mary pass. I My mom said, uh, uh, going clear back, my, my grandfather, her father, always, you know, that side of the family, they always voted Republican. And they said, but they voted for FDR because he said nobody was working. They said, okay, it's worth a try. He says he's going to get people working again and get the banks back on their feet. So they said everybody voted for him because they said, well, this is the, this is the Hail Mary pass, you know? Right. Right. It wasn't uh, a given that he was going to be able to pull us out, you know? Right. Well, you know, he did to some extent, but really the war is what, you know, manufacturing yeah. 24 hours a day for five years, really, that does that'll something do for it. the, yeah, that'll, that's but, that, but, that, but that'll give you pause. So what does it take? It takes a world war. Right, guess, right, right. To get us back on our feet. So all the people complaining yeah. that uh, yeah. gas prices are higher, you know, oh, it's, you know, it's been like a year or two. It's like, well, you know, it takes, these things take time. They take time, so. Anyway, mm. that was politics with uh, Jake and John and, 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 and myself, and we hope you enjoyed. We'll, we'll be back next week. With our special guest, uh, I don't know, I was going to make up a name. I was going to think of somebody uh, ridiculous that we could have on the show. Dewey. <laughs> Dewey wins, yeah. Right. We'll be back next week with uh, Thomas Dewey. Uh, That's right. We'll be, we'll be back next week with Wendell Wilkie. Yay, there we go. That's always a fun name from politics. Well, I love that you get that through Bugs Bunny cartoons, and it's it's a history lesson because you go, wow, that sounds funny, but who the hell's Wendell Wilkie? You know? Right. Right, and then all of a sudden you you know you're doing like high school history, and you're like, oh, oh, that guy was like running for president. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Wendell Wilkie. It's uh, Wendell it's, Wilkie. it's the con cousin of John Wilkie Booth. Hey, how no, you doing? Hey, hey, how you doing, huh? Hey, six semper tyrannis, mother truckers. It's <laughs> a quote. It's a it's, it's a quote. Uh, but no, honestly, do you ever get uh, do you ever get pushback from people when we get when we dive into politics? Nobody listens to the people? show, John. That's a great thing. We can say whatever we want. <laughs> they, just, they keep skipping until they hear until they hear all the politics stuff. Down. We're just talking. We're just talking into the void, man. At least we're talking to each other. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. You think anybody listens? What are you talking about? No, pushback just... from pushback from who? <laughs> pushback from who, Nicole? <laughs> Hey, when you guys talk about politics, <laughs> just wondering if one of the three people that tunes in <laughs> was like, "Hey, right." <clears throat> you know, Justine listens because she has to get the scores because she forgets. So right, 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 right. Cool. Right. Okay. Let's, and let's, then Patrick likes to hear himself talk, so that's three. All right. Now that we've <laughs> now that we've bored everybody with the uh, with the politics, let's shoot right into. We're not even going to wait today. We're going to go right because I love this oh, movie. Wow. Police story. There we go. Originally, the title of this movie is Police Story Three, Super Cop. That makes sense. So it is a sequel to the uh, other two Police Story movies we've seen, but it's 
really when I saw Uncle Bill, I I thought, okay, this has got to be a sequel. <laughs> and he also has the same girlfriend, Maggie. Maggie Kevin. Maggie Chung. But Kevin. Did they name him Kevin this time? Yeah. Of <laughs> <laughs> all the names to pick. Yeah, right. Out of just the millions of names out there. <laughs> Kevin. Was there a fourth? Was there yes, a fourth, there's uh, a police story four uh, that was released. It's a little darker, a little grimmer, a little grimmer. But, super, super cop, yeah. But this is super cop, police story three. Uh, Jake, you want to give us the breakdown on uh, everything? Oh, God. I'm, oh, give me two seconds. Give me two seconds. Oh, you weren't ready. Bad boy yet. I no, got to say, ready. Patrick would be ready by now. I got to say that for Patrick. We I miss know. you. By the I way, uh, Patrick and Justine, go on. Uh, a lot of you are disappointed right now. Patrick and Justine are at Disneyland today again. To yeah, celebrate. not with family, not showing people around. They just wanted to go to Disneyland, so they're so they're there. You know, you know. Super <laughs> <laughs> cop. This is July Fourth. Oh, hey, Fourth of July movie, nineteen ninety two. Let's see, with the six point nine on IMDb, very nice, ninety two percent of Rotten Tomatoes, with a budget of nine hundred thousand dollars. Mario, how much do you think it made? Well. I wonder how much it made in Hong Kong money and then in American money. So it was released here in 96. This was like the follow-up to uh, Rumble in the Bronx. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. This followed Rumble in the Bronx. I think, this was, hmm. I think this was the second release. And Rumble in the Bronx was a hit, wasn't it? Right. So I don't know if they're giving us Hong Kong numbers or American numbers. Uh, so I have no idea. It is estimated. This is an estimated amount. I'm gonna say ten million. Ten million. John, how much do you think you made? Uh, oh, what did it cost to make it? It cost nine hundred thousand. Jesus, <laughs> yeah. that can't be U.S. dollars. Yeah. Yes, it is nine hundred thousand U.S. dollars. Yeah. Yep. Gee. God. Um, God, you think about that finale. You couldn't have shot that well. It would have cost that to, if you shot it here. It would have cost that just to do the yeah, finale. The That's probably just doing its normal route, and they're like, "Hey, can we just film real quick on here?" <laughs> and they're like, "Sure." I sure I guess. Yeah, here's ten dollars. Here's ten dollars. Let's film on the top, right? <laughs> We're gonna land a helicopter <laughs> on your train, okay? Yeah, it's fine. And they're like, "You mean like Mission Impossible, where it's all done on the computer?" Oh, we. Um, okay. I, I I have no idea. I can't even wager a guess. Um, the estimated total box office is $34.4 million. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Big money. That's a hit. I mean, he, I think, I, I don't think we can, uh, I don't think we can ever underestimate how big of a star Jackie Chan is, how much money his movies make outside the United States. Right. You know, right. uh, Especially in Asia, you know, uh, he's he was a massive star. Um, <clears throat> so it, you know, he'd been making movies 20 years before he ever got here. So, you know, 34 million does not uh, seem like that big of a stretch when you think about it, but uh, no, no, but yeah, you know, J uh, J Jake, you're not half wrong. Uh, I've read a couple of books about Hong Kong filmmaking, they don't get permits, they just go out and do it. They're just like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna go, we're gonna jump off this building here and not with you know, we're just gonna go out and do it or. You know, we're just going to go crash some cars on the highway and, uh, you know, with some stunt guys in them. You know, maybe they'll close a road, but it's not like here where they have the elaborate, uh, you know, they're, gonna, they're not going to close a major highway for a day to film. So, 
these guys work their way around it, you know? Yeah. That's why, you don't, that's why you don't see him doing the, those stunts. Once he's filming in America, you don't see them doing those kind of stunts. Right. You know? yeah. That's one right. reason. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you see him dangling from a helicopter in the middle of a work day in Kuala Lumpur, that's really happening. It's like <laughs> they just threw him up on a helicopter on a Wednesday and dangled him over the city, you know? So, um, as usual. But yeah, this is a fun one. Um, this is uh, obviously uh, Michelle Yeoh had already been a, a, an actress in the '80s, uh, an action star in the '80s, and she had retired from acting. And this was her comeback movie, and it was the first time she worked with Jackie Chan. And uh, uh, according to the stories, he was reticent to work with a woman, and so uh, Michelle Yeoh had kind of a chip on her shoulder, saying, "Well, I'm going to prove to him that I can do all the things that he does." Um, and she absolutely did. But backwards and in high heels, a la Ginger Rogers. Um, not really, but yeah, she did She did some amazing stunts. But yeah, this is the uh, third movie in Police Story. So you see Uncle Bill, the police chief. You see uh, Maggie Chung. Uh, I think a lot of her part was cut for the American release, which is a shame because I always love her. She's a really great uh, comedic actress. She's a really good actress, period. Uh, but she's always great. Kind of a thankless role. Yeah, yeah she's a always, girlfriend. Yeah, she's always kind of... Uh, Kind of a like, like comedy relief in a comedy relief in a comedy movie is always right. kind of uh, but uh, uh, yeah so she she kind of has a, they cut her part out a lot she has nothing to not much to do in this one uh, Jackie Chan would never really let her do a lot of stunts and I think she actually made a movie with uh, Michelle Yeoh I forgot what the name of it it might be the Heroic Trio let me let me look that up and they she, she, one of them plays Batgirl but it's like a a knockoff Batgirl. So by the end of this movie, uh, Michelle Yeoh must have won o- over Jackie Chan. Oh, yeah. Look at all the crazy Yeah, 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 for did. sure. Yeah. yeah, so it's Michelle Yeoh, Maggie Chung, and Anita Mui. Anita Mui we know from, um, she was the store owner in Rumble in the Bronx. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they, they did a movie called... Um, the heroic trio: three superheroines, three superheroines discover a villain's plot to kidnap children into a blood. In, who? Oh, I'm sorry. Jeez. Plot to mold kidnapped children into bloodthirsty world leaders. Wow. <laughs> and, God. Uh, apparently, it's on Netflix. Or, uh, well, it's distributed by Netflix here for some. Seventy-one percent. Uh, I'm sorry, eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, not bad. Six point mm-hmm. five IMDb. So check it out. Uh, yeah, if you want to see Michelle Yeoh do, you know, outside. You know, we all know her from, you know, she's most famous here for uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which is an absolutely beautiful movie, and she is wonderful in it. And then if you haven't Jin seen... Shang-Chi, too. Yes, that's right. That's right. And if you mm-hmm. haven't seen uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, uh, you need to check that out because she is just... Boy, uh, you talk about a tailor-made part and... Uh, just to finally see her uh, get her due uh, as an actress. Somebody wrote her a really brilliant part. So, um, Yeah. And then uh, she's also in uh, Die Another Day. Uh, she's the best part of that movie. Uh, not, not Die Another Day. Uh, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. And she's the best part of that by far. So she was kind of at the height of her popularity there right after Super. Oh, these movies, Jesus, she's been in a lot of stuff even, oh, yeah. even recently. Yes. Memories yes, yes. of a Geisha. Oh, last Christmas she was the store. She was the Christmas store owner too. She was movie. also in uh, Crazy Rich Asians. I think she was yeah. one of the moms. One of the one of the yeah. 
But I love Michelle Yeoh. I have uh, I have mm-hmm. nothing but uh, respect and admiration for her, and uh, she really outdoes herself in this one. So, John, you had never seen this. Um, I had seen a clip reel. I think you had made me a clip reel that had a lot of this in it. Um, so I think I, that whole finale I'd seen before, but um, I don't think I had seen this all the way through. I don't think so. No. Let's talk about it. What did you think, Ben? Oh, I loved it. This is really this is really one of the better ones, I'll tell you. And that that finale. By the time they get on that train, that's absolutely insane. I wanted to ask you, did he ever do a bigger? Think about the logistics to do that whole thing. It, right down to like the motorcycle. Her her taking the motorcycle and landing it on the moving train. Right, right, right. That's insane. And then the whole stuff, everything with the helicopter and uh, and running. All those times he almost falls off the moving train. I mean, you can't fake that. I don't know <laughs> how they even did that. Right. You know? um, did he ever do a movie with a bigger set piece at the end? Um, I mean, if you if you talk about some of the first strike, gets pretty close to some of the stunts. Uh, I just mean with all the vehicles. I mean, I can't think of a you know a bigger you know finale, a bigger set piece. No, probably not. I would say that this is probably like. You know, I'd probably say this tops them all as far as, yeah, like his finales don't always take place out in the open. I mean, as far as his fight scenes, Drunken Master 2 probably has yeah, one of his number. That, that's the sure number of people. Yeah. That probably has one of his best fights ever on film, which is the last fight. And it takes place in a in a foundry. Uh, that's probably his most epic fight. But yeah, as far as stunts, I think this is probably one of his biggest, yeah, sequences you know because I mean, the whole thing where he's dangling from the helicopter and then you see that they're gonna they're gonna put him right in the middle of the train i'm just like how do you even begin to shoot something like that how did nobody die how did he not die <laughs> filming this thing you know right 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 yeah he asked that about like half the movies yet he's been <laughs> he's been in it's all like i just don't know how the hell anybody did that motorcycle jump you know well she did into a moving plane she did it and was that really her was that her oh, yeah Unbelievable. I mean, yeah, I was I was telling Jake when you were off mic, I said, you see these stunts and you go, oh, well, they'll just get a stuntman. You're like, oh, no, they are the stuntmen. <laughs> it's like there's no stuntman for Jackie Chan. He is the stuntman. Right, right. You have to. I mean, yeah, especially when you're, yeah, especially in this in his films, he only gets people who he thinks can handle those stunts. Right. And you see, yeah, you say, I think in the outtakes, they show her uh, landing, like overshooting and landing on some boxes, right? Yeah, like yeah. on the other side right. of the train. She fell out of the car too, and she one of the chase. She tells that story. You know, she almost she almost got hit. If he wouldn't have car. grabbed her, she would have uh, fallen off the car and probably broke something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he yeah. slid her down as she fell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of broke her fall. Uh, but that yeah, imagine yeah. that. Imagine rolling off. You got to roll off blind onto a moving car. A moving car. <laughs> Uh, that's the the outtake reel for this was insane because you can see all the times they almost died, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or accidentally get punched in the face, or you know. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, there aren't as many fights in this one, but there are are, are mm-hmm. more stunts. This is a very stunt heavy. It seemed like there's a lot of gunfire too. I I don't remember a. Uh, a Jackie Chan movie with as much uh, gunfire right. as all the machine they guns. Kinda, they kind of pull out a, it's like a predator shootout right in the middle of the movie, which is yeah. kind of weird. Wasn't that the camp? Yeah, I think this might have been, you know, influenced by what was going on with all the John Woo stuff. Uh, 
Yeah, and maybe. Uh, you know what was popular or, or in even Hong- the Rambo stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what was popular in Hong Kong at the time. You know, this would yeah. have been the height of like you know, hard boiled and all that stuff. So you know, a lot of shootouts. That that was kind of the you know the the, the term for that was gun foo, G U N gun foo. <laughs> Uh, so I think that, yeah, because Jackie Chan doesn't do like super violent movies with a lot of death. I think this is probably his most violent movie as well. Yeah. Uh, but that shootout's crazy too. Even that has some good imagine. There's still some, they still manage to work in some Jackie Chan moments in there, you know, where he runs out of ammo and has to like dodge the guy or he, you know, locks Michelle Yeoh out of the window and she knocks into it. You know, they did a lot of, you know, the grenade going off and all that stuff. Oh, that was yeah, right out of a bug. That was like out of a Bugs Bunny cartoon. She throws the grenade, and they have to get out of there before it blows. Mm-hmm. You know? I told you to pretend. Yeah. <laughs> right. And Jackie Chan does that just a straight dive out of the out of the window. So. Oh, I gotta say, uh, this has got this has got a stunt that's right out of a, a Buster Keaton movie, where he's on top of the train with the uh, that overhanging thing. What is it? Oh the, yeah, uh, the yeah, bar. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right out of, I mean, Keaton did that a couple times, right. I think, with like a water, right? with like one of those things that fills the tank uh, with water. But I thought, wow, him swinging a, over the train, that's that's right out of uh, Buster Keaton. Right. Uh, it's, it's um, you could you could see a couple of touches, you know, I'm sure he was excited to be working on a train. Yeah, he's a fan. He's a Keaton fan. So, you know, as he, as he always says. That's too cool. Patrick just sent a picture. The top too. Patrick just sent a picture of a uh, lightsaber. So he built a lightsaber. Ah, glad he's having fun. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, did you? uh, A lot of Jackie Chan's uh, uh, stunt team shows up here as various (laughs) villains and uh, gangsters. And what uh, Brent and I love is that. It's like everyone's listening to hip hop. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of hip hop in this movie. There's, there was a lot of hip hop. It's like, hey, America, what do they love? What do Americans like? Hip hop. So yeah, I was looking at that soundtrack. I mean, all through the movie, I'm going, oh wow, this really this hits home. A, what year it is, and B, this is definitely designed for the American market. You know, <laughs> right? That's not in the original soundtrack. You know, it's in. I would imagine. Yeah. And then by by the time you get to the end, and you've got Tom Jones. <laughs> Uh, what was the song he was doing at the end there? Uh, Kung Fu uh, Fighting. Oh, that was just... Kung Fu Fighting. What, what an inspired, that's really inspired because that's a great song for Tom Jones to do. And then Everybody he, was Kung Fu Fighting. I think he also name checks Jackie Chan in this version. He does. Yeah, he, he does. Yeah. This is like funky Jackie Chan. And, uh, and then Jesus, um, Devo, the last song on the soundtrack is Devo. <laughs> Doing super cop. I God, where the hell did that come from? Uh, huh? I had no idea. Jackie Chan, very popular, John. Very, very popular. You might yeah, because I'm sure that they just called Devo up and said, How'd you like to do a, a song for a Jackie Chan movie? Right. Who would that was hilarious? Super cop. I that's funny because I'm listening, I'm going, God, that sounds like Devo. And then you're looking at the credits, you're like, that is Devo. Hmm. <laughs> My late brother was obsessed with the trailer for this movie. Uh, oh yeah, and it's the, one of the guys. It's one of the guys that does in a world. It's it's not that guy, but it's you will recognize the voice. It's, it's the other guy. It's an it's the other guy, and just the way he says Jackie Chan, 
super cop. You're just like, I'm ready to see this movie right now. Give me. Oh, that's great. I will You're throw like down all of guy. my. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of those. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. No, it's I'm not quite. Look for it. It's yeah. It's, it's uh, I'll send it to you. But it's it's uh it's it's just great. It's it's the it's the other guy. It wasn't the inner world guy, but it is. He's the one that this it, summer. He's yeah. the guy that does it with a little bit of uh, more of a sense of humor. Uh, he's got a little. Uh, let me see if I can. Uh, well, with a Jackie Chan movie, that's what you would want. You're not going to do the same voice that you do for Soylent Green or Death Wish, <laughs> <laughs> right? I it's just realized. Tongue in cheek. I just realized while I was watching an old Mission Impossible rerun last night that the guy, I think, the guy who does the voice of uh, Good Morning, Mister Phelps, was also the oh. guy, was also yeah. the guy who did the intro for the GI Joe cartoon. In the, oh, I'm not yeah. sure if it is. But really? Let me let me see. Or, if, let me see if this is the one. Here, hold on, hold on. Tell me if you guys can hear it. Nope. No, not yet. Hold on. Nothing. Wait. Can <laughs> 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 you hear that? Nope. Mm -mm. No. no, no, no. Really? Well, it's coming out. It's going to be on the recording, so okay. Let me give it to the audience. That's, good. That's exciting. Yeah, let me give it to the in, audience. Right? Here we go. I'm going to say it. No! Jackie Chan, Super Cop. That's it. You guys, I'll send it to you. I'll send you yeah, the that's link. All I, needed. I heard that last bit. Yeah, that I was the it. guy. That was the other guy. I, I can never. I know. I don't know who's everybody's names is. The uh, other guy. There's two guys that did a lot of uh, trailers when we were growing up. There's three actually. You have the Jaws guy. Uh huh. You have this guy. Right. And then you. And have, they all have a different. Uh, they all have a different resonance. They all rumble. All their voices rumble. <laughs> right. But, but in a different way. They've all. They've all got a different resonance. It's a different pitch or mm -hmm. something. But they all have that sort of. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like John. When, great job. It's just like John when we send you when I sent you the thing for Felix Unger Day. That guy was very on TV all uh, over the place. I, I, I don't know that guy's yeah. name either, but he was on TV all over the place. So or um, Paul Thomas Anderson's dad, you know, the one that did Love Boat and you know Channel Seven News. Oh and, yeah, 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 yeah. Know, uh, Fantasy Island. The guy that was pretty much the the announcer for Channel Seven. You know, I didn't know that was Paul Thomas Anderson's dad. Yeah, Eddie Anderson. He was Sven, um, what was he? He was Goulardi. He also, in Chicago, I think, he did um, a horror movie host. Uh, he called himself Goulardi. So that's, you ever noticed that Paul Thomas Anderson, his production company is Goulardi Productions? Oh, I never knew that. It's named, look at the end of all his movies. And so that's his dad. So his dad went from doing Goulardi like in the 60s. Finally, he gets to LA. And they say, well, we'll make you the top guy at ABC. You'll be the guy introducing the news and Fantasy Island and the ABC movie of the week, you know, all that stuff. And uh, what a voice he had. Right. Tonight Next on the love, love boat. <laughs> <laughs> Jake you could make it salacious. They'd say, can you make it a little salacious? Make it a little, <laughs> dirty, a little dirty. A little dirty. Jake, let's talk about Let's talk about Super Cop. What did you think, my man? Uh, I thought it was good. Yeah, there's not as many, there's not as much uh not as much fighting as in his other films, but Oh my god, those stunts are absurd. And uh, I thought the story was pretty good too. Yeah, it's actually, you yes. know, 
well plotted. You know, it's, yeah. it's his movies uh, by this time are getting a lot more western. Um, you know, he's good, and and this, and that's kind of a trend in the in all of Hong Kong cinema. You get to see more. You know, this is the time when we're getting stuff that, um, like, uh, oh God, I forgot the name. It's the movie that basically became The Departed. Um, Oh, Infernal Infernal Affairs? Yes, yeah. This is around the same time that all that's starting to break out in Hong Kong. So you're getting these like intricately plotted movies. So even Jackie Chan, whose stunts are kind of the centerpiece, they're actually building uh, more of a story. Right? And we kind of saw that in First Strike, as ridiculous as that was, though. You know, it was still they were still trying to build more of a story around just a bunch of stunts. You know, so... Uh, but I think you've always seen that in Jackie Chan... Uh, you know, Project A, and we we watch the original police stories. They're you know they're they're a little bit more plot heavy than just standard kung fu beat em up action see, movie. As he starts to get into like the U.S. Uh, and get into more into American films, he starts to swap out the swap out some of the the action or the fighting for more stunts. Well, that too, and I think a lot of it is he's getting older. Yeah, and it's easy true. for him, it's easy for him to do like. You know, let me hang from this than it is to get just get beat up to do, you know, because he'll choreograph fight scenes and we'll do hundreds of takes, you know. Yeah. And uh, I feel like the stunts, as dangerous as they were, they didn't do as many takes on the stunts because with the fighting, he wanted it a specific way and he wanted specific shots and a specific rhythm and he works in a very specific way. And that's it's very difficult for other people to uh, adapt to his style if they're not used to it. So. I and then think, that's why he kind of sticks with like his close knit group of uh, of um, of stunt guys that he's like, uh, what's the word? Well, that he's picked like throughout the years, right? That's why in the early years you see you see a lot of it throughout all of his Hong Kong movies. It's the same guys over and over playing different villains or mm-hmm. friends or whatever. But because but it's guys he could work with and he could trust, uh, and uh, you know they they would help facilitate the process to those who were not uh, initiated in his, you know, method of making movies. But um, <clears throat> yeah, you're right, Jake. This is a less, less, uh, this is, there's less fighting, but the fighting that is in here is impressive. Uh, Cause you have that whole fight scene going on on the train, actually on a helicopter, like a crashed helicopter. Yeah. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. The whole time you're watching that, you're just wondering about the logistics of it, what that must have taken to coordinate, to coordinate all those moving vehicles at the same time and not have somebody die, you know? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you got everything going on a moving train. You're landing a helicopter and you're jumping a motorcycle onto it. You're running around on top of it. Yeah. You're fighting on it. Um I felt like you know it's you know it's funny, John, that you were talking about Buster Keaton. I felt like the one scene he would have that Buster Keaton probably would have laughed at was when he does the thing with the sign where he ducks and the guy hits the sign. He like yes, yes. What he, I think what he would have loved is that final pose. He just sort of like sits in a crouching position, you know, like he's just watching that last. He does all these wacky poses and finally he just sits down and just watches. The last pose he strikes is okay. I'm just gonna sit here and watch the fun, you know. Yeah, right, right. Uh, Jake, I, you know, and they just they just ran the general last night, so it's funny. What right after we got off the phone, I was watching the general. How was and it? Then, uh, it was great because you know, ninety percent of that movie is on a train, a moving train. You know, that's right. 
And then I was watching this and I just thought, yep, there's the, you know, there's uh, another guy who can make a trained, <laughs> he can make a train look like a, you know, like a trained seal. Uh, you know, she, um, I was, I said she, because I just got noticed that Christine McVie, uh, died. Oh, wow. When did this happen? Uh, just now, I guess I just got noticed from our, our friend, uh, buddy. Oh man. Yep. 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 Sorry, John. I didn't mean to bum me out, man. Yeah. She was really, she was really something. Yeah. I've uh, kind of got lost in the dust. <laughs> Everyone's looking at Stevie Nicks, but, right. uh, she, she wrote a hell of a lot of stuff and she sang a lot of stuff too. Right. Yeah. And Christ, she'd been with him almost like from the second year they were together, you know? Yeah. But when we're, we're going all the way back to like 71 or 72. She's there almost from the beginning. RIP man, rock and peace. Uh, mm, we, I interrupted you, but I, and I, but I was about to ask Jake, uh, Jake, what was your favorite son in the movie? I mean, I mean, it's gotta be on the train. That whole sequence of the train is just absolutely insane. Right. It's just, you know, we're so used to having full CG or have it be in, you know, a safe setting to protect the actors, but nope, they're just on a fucking train. Jack falls off on several occasions. Um, but one of the bloopers is they catch him before he actually falls off pretty close to the side of the train. So, right. My God. Uh, one of the things I love in the uh, watching this movie, when you watch it compared to a movie like Predator, is watching that shootout that we talked about in the jungle. And seeing it's a, it's you know it's like Hollywood, but it's a little more rough. You have guys falling out of uh, towers and stuff on fire. <laughs> you know, it's uh, right. It doesn't. It somehow seems a little more, a little less tame. <laughs> right. Like it doesn't seem like it's as, as controlled as a Hollywood set. You know, so yeah, it's probably a whole different thing. Think about what you have to do to get insurance and all that before you can shoot anything. Right. You know, like we just we just saw that Mission Impossible. That had a that had a helicopter on a crashing onto a train top. But you know, remember what we said? We said it wasn't as it wasn't as much of a nail biter because you just knew that a lot of that was uh was blue screen or green screen. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, the fact that this is these are all real stunts and they're in actual danger just just makes it feel that much more intense when they're you know, yeah, when they're having that whole fight up there. I want to know how Michelle Yeoh does that kick where she comes over the back of her head. <laughs> I love that kick. I think it was when they were at the they were at the no, it was when they were on the roof and she does like a jumping double kick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She like back. Oh, she she like back kicks. <laughs> yeah, shit. she like goes onto her back and does the kick in the air. Yeah, oh she God, she really matches. She really matches Jackie Chan like punch for punch, kick for kick, stunt for stunt. Uh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I want to watch an interview where he talks about her because uh, this you can find a few of her discussing, you know, working with Jackie Chan. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and they love they really do love each other. It's really great. They have a, they have a great friendship. But yeah, I think at first he was like, well, you know, I don't want I don't want a girl, you know. And she's like, well, okay, well, you know, let me show you what I can do. And then there it is. And so, and uh, I, it's it's a shame they didn't make more movies together. Uh, is this the only one? I think this is the only one they were in together. Yeah, wow. mm. yeah, because they make a good team. It's a good partner. It's a good. They have yeah. good chemistry. They have good chemistry. Yeah, even the non-stunt uh, work when they're just like sort of going back and forth. 
and there's a there's a, they they see that there's a chemistry there. You know, he's kind of flirting with her at the beginning. Right, right, right. And the characters sort of have a grudging respect for each other. You know. Yeah. By the <laughs> end, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is a great ending where she says, you think I'm going to work with you again? You know, it's like, yeah, I wish they would have. I wish they would have. What does he say? Just wait till the handoff. Just wait till the Hong Kong handoff. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. That was, that was a kind of big on everyone's mind. It was like, you know, the early nineties, it was coming up in 99. And the, you know, that was, that's kind of a theme that runs throughout a lot of movies at this time. Um, yeah. I, I, this is probably one of my favorite uh, this is again, you know, again, less fighting, uh, stunt heavy, but even the, you know, all the stuff with the pool and trying to avoid his girlfriend and all that stuff is just silly enough that it's entertaining. Yeah. It's entertaining. And, and that's what people forget watching the stunts and everything. Jackie Chan is just good at comedy, you know, all the timing, all that stuff. He knows how to do all that stuff because he's watched, like John said, you know, Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton. So all that stuff where it's like mistaken identity or you're trying to hide from your girlfriend or, you know, all that stuff he can do. He can do all that stuff, you know. Yeah. And it's not, and he makes it look, and he makes it look easy, which it's not, you know, which, right. which it's not. It kind of gets lost because it's a little silly, but uh, you know, a lot of that get, stuff gets lost. But, you know, he's doing things like in the, you know, is this the one where he's in the police station and he does the, or no, I think it's that, that's in, in, uh, in two in police story two, where he he's on three phones, then he flips the, the pen. I think that's in. That's in the second. That's one, in the think, second yeah. one, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but you know, he, he even does like, you know little things like a jumping a fence, or in this case, like running along the street and then jumping into that MG, and then yeah. just taking off. You know, he just like runs and jumps and takes off, and you know, yeah, all that. That's another way he's like Keaton. He can do the big, big stunts, uh, but he can also do small moments. Just right. a small moment, just a gesture, just a facial expression. Right. So that's, an, that's another way you can put him in Keaton's league, you know. Right. You know, he runs out of ammo and he makes a face like, uh, like, you know, eat, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas somebody somebody like Stallone or Schwarzenegger aren't going to do that. And, you know, he does that little thing. Where no. he's like, you know. Or you're going to see it coming a mile away, yeah. Or, you know, you know, he does the thing, she drops the grenade and his eyes bug out, you know? Just, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was, yeah, that was funny, that whole, that whole bit. You know, he's just doing, like, everything's so broad with him, but it works. His face yep. His yep. his face is another, you know, is another... Is another character. Is another itself. character, yeah. <laughs> you know, or like, the, you know, the guy, you know, flicks his nose when he, when he flicks the guy's nose. When he's fighting yeah. the, the other instructor and he does that little wink, like, hey, this is going to be fun. And the guy's like, you know, comes right after him and he has to flick his nose, you know. That was a great moment. And it only lasts about two seconds. Right. <laughs> you're like, you know, you, you blink, you're going to miss that. But what a great touch. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, him trying to be cool and just make it look like, uh, you know, we're just having fun here. We're just having fun. Uh, I Yeah. I always love that about Jackie. He's not afraid to, like, show himself being vulnerable or, you know, losing a fight. Uh, you know, he always has to yeah. overcome, he has to overcome something. Yeah. So that's always nice. You know, he doesn't he, have a gun. He's the, he's the underdog, which is tough to do when you're that physically, uh, that takes some work to sell yourself as an underdog when you're that physically fit. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're right. You're right. But he does it. He does it. He's not afraid to like fight somebody taller or faster or bigger, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He, he does it constantly. It's it's a way to generate uh, 
the goodwill of sympathy. Yeah, a lot of sympathy without yeah. without begging for it. You know, it's just like yeah. you know, because you're like, oh, I like this guy. He's not giving up. You know, this guy's huge, or whatever, and he's yeah. not giving up. So, uh, I love that the bad guy's name is Chibot. I don't know what kind of name that is, but it's just the coolest Chibot. It's <laughs> it sounds like something out of Buck Rogers or or or. Uh, or something sounds like something out of uh, out of Blade Runner, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, <laughs> or or some Chibot. Give me a chai luck, <laughs> Chibots. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, did you like this better or better than Rumble in the Bronx, Jake? Or where would you rank it? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think I like Rumble in the Bronx a little bit more. I just, I love the Kung Fu, you know? Right, and right, I think, right. I mean, not to downplay the stunts by any means. No, but, no, no. Um, but, I mean, I just love a good Kung Fu fight, you know? And there wasn't as many Kung Fu fights right. in this one. Even though, even though, uh, to, even though uh, Tom Jones would argue uh, uh, the opposite, uh, there was Everybody. No, right, there wasn't a lot. <laughs> Everybody was Kung Fu fighting. Uh, yeah, then, you know, then there's like those little stuff, like there's so many stunts in this movie, you forget about other things, like when they're going down that zip line. At the mine, you know, yeah. you you, yeah. you forget there's so many things in here going on. You're like, oh, yeah, they did this and they did that. And then they did this, this, you know, and so. the whole prison break. Yeah, that, that whole prison break in s- some movies, that would have been the that would have been the big the finale. Movie. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 All right. Let's, They're just uh, getting warmed up. Let's let's rank this sucker. Let's rank the sucker. Uh, John, what do you what do you say about Super Cop? Yeah, I think I like this one a little better than Rumble in the Bronx. I think I'm a sucker for the stunts. I love the fighting, but I think I'm a sucker for the crazy stunts. And I just, I can't think of another Jackie Chan movie that, that, where the stunts were just so crazy. Um, I haven't seen them all like you have, but uh, so far this this one was the most mind-blowing, that finale. Love and, it. Uh, and it was, a, it was a good story. This one was a really tight story. Uh, so, yeah, I give this one an eight. Nice, nice. Uh, Jake, what you, would you think? I, I agree. Uh, yeah, overall as a movie, yeah, eight hundred percent. All right, very good. I'm going to give this an eight as well. This is uh, this is you know uh, you know uh, there's there's so much to recommend here. Um, yeah, but I I do give I do want more fighting. It's weird. It's weird to to take points off of Jackie Chan for that, uh, especially when the stunts more than make up for it. But I did want to see him. I think just because of the I like having him and Michelle Yeoh teamed. And I thought I think yeah. like if they would have thrown in one, like really lengthy brawl, like like yeah. a usual Jackie Chan brawl where they're, you know, jumping on stuff or you know doing you know they had the fight on the roof, but you know he's always doing these things where they're in some kind of weird situation where you've never seen, you know, they're fighting on like a paddle boat wheel or something. Uh, I think that would have uh, that would have bumped it probably would have been made it perfect because I would have liked to seen. Michelle Yeoh do stuff like that too, and I think she could have. As a movie, as think, a movie, you give it any, but what do you rate it as a Jackie Chan movie? Oh, it's a ten. As a Jackie yeah. Chan movie, yeah. it's a ten. Yeah, you know, we usually split it, don't we? Usually say, yeah, I would say stunts are like a ten plus. You right. Know? Yeah. Uh, we usually like do a. I usually do like a split score. I'll say, you know, mm-hmm. the movie gets this, the stunts get this, but this was a pretty solid movie. Yeah. So I, I just gave it one score. Right. But, um, but as a what's ge- the one where what, what's the one in the mall where he's going down the elevator and burned his hands and all that? Police story. That was the, 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 the first one in this series. Yeah, because uh, you know that was another one where it just had such amazing set pieces. Right. They had that whole thing in the beginning where they're going down that uh, that like shanty town and uh, the side of this. Yeah. My God. Man. Right. 
tough to tie, you know, it's tough. He must have thought, how do I top that last movie? You know, that had to be on his mind. Okay, last movie I did this, how do I top it? You know, uh, you know what he did? He went down the, he went down the sliding pole with his hands and skinned his mm. hands up. That's God. what he does for us, the people. That's right. Jackie. So is there, there's one more police story you say? Yeah, I don't think we're going to get to it. I, I don't, I don't have it. Uh, I've seen it. It's a little dark. It's very dark. Mm. Uh, it's a little more. You don't have it on, uh, on disc. I don't I have it on disc, but not on, on, uh, not on video. I, I, I think if I, if I, I, I think I have it somewhere. I'll have to find it for you and then I'll lend it to you so you can check it out. What's the, I know you've told us before. What's the first Jackie Chan movie you saw all the way through? What pulled you in? A uh, police story. It was on cable one night. It's on cable. The first one. Yeah, and I looked for it for years because I never knew what it was. Uh, I never. <laughs> okay. I, I never knew That's what it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think with the help of uh, with the help of like Leonard Malton's video guide, just reading that. Yeah. Just reading that in the bathroom like I used to. Um, and that's how I just I, I have to admit something guys I used to discover a lot of movies with a Leonard Malton guide and uh, about 20 minutes in the bathroom so um, you know before the internet that everybody had a dog-eared copy right you know there was there's the Leonard Malton guide and there's the uh, the Halliwell list yeah the Halliwell book that's right and before the internet those are the two books I had both of those sitting on top of the TV and you just flip back and forth you know, that's right. the two books that were indispensable. Right. right. And uh, they were both great. It's just that Leonard Malton always tried to find, even if it was not a good movie, he'd try to throw you what was what was the good part of the movie. Yeah, you know, that's what I always kind of liked about Leonard Malton is that he was a critic who was kind of reticent to give a bad grade. So if the not movie... Nasty. Yeah. If the movie was terrible, if he gave something like a bomb in his book, <laughs> you knew it was awful. It's like, wow, even Le- you've even you've even angered Leonard Malton, who... Usually, you know, can find something. You know, he'll give two. He'll he, there's some movies that are absolutely awful that he'll give two stars to because of, you know, a performance or because of you know, yeah, uh, you know, like one thing saves it. And he'll go, okay, I'm going to give it one star, two stars. Um, and that's a true. Mo- that's a true movie lover, right? You know, I think Halliwell was knowledgeable, but I think he'd get real snarky and snotty. And, you know, go, you know, he just sort of like, you know, dismissed somebody's entire career right. just with a wave of a hand. So I would look his stuff up. It was good for like dates and finding out who was in the cast. But Malton was much more fun. That was like going to the movies with a friend. And you're going to try to find there's got to be something in this movie that's, right. that's worth worth watching it for. Um, and you're right. If he says if he says bomb, then, you know, that is not a movie worth looking up. You know, uh, you know what's funny is. Oh, actually, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You guys. Talk amongst yourselves for a second. I'll be right back. Okay. This is this. Uh, Jake, you must, uh, if you ever watched Entertainment Tonight, you must know Leonard Malton was like the, he was on every show doing a movie review, right? You remember him? Uh, not really. Leonard Malton. I never watched Entertainment Tonight. Uh, you know, it's kind of, it's one of those, you know, entertainment gossip shows, but they would always give him about five, 10 minutes to review whatever the new movie was. Oh, okay. And then, uh, and then he turns up on a lot of DVDs. He'll do like the, uh, not the commentary track, but he'll do a little behind the scenes, especially for the really old stuff. If it's like uh, like a collection of old Bugs Bunny cartoons or the Little Rascals, he'll come out and say, here's what's going on. It's, you know, it's the 40s. There's a war going on. Here's what they're trying to do. And 
you could just tell how much he loves the stuff. You know, he just loves it to death. And uh, um, he's on most of those Disney, all those Disney animated collections, um, those DVDs. He's on all of those because he's a historian. As much as he's a, a critic, a movie critic, he's also kind of like a movie historian. So he'll tell you exactly, you know, what, what was going on when they made him. Yeah, that's great. It looks like he was, yeah, I see the Daffy Wartime. He said he was, he was in Gremlins 2, apparently, the new batch. Yeah, yeah, oh. that's right. He turns up in some things. Right. Yeah, he's in a few. Very cool. So I went and got Very the. Cool. Uh, I get went and got the old Leonard Maltz. It's the last one I have. It. It's the, the last. Yeah. Year, the last year he published. What, what, he's still doing it. Is what, he doing it? No, is he? Twenty fifteen was the last one that he did. <laughs> and I remember what he said at the time. He said, "This will be the last one." He used to update it every year or two. And he right. said, "You know," he says, "I can't compete with the internet. People just are not pick. They just get on the internet and click a couple buttons. They're on there." But I remember people saying, you know, it was always a lot of fun to hear what he had to say. Something you don't necessarily get from um, IMBD or Rotten Tomatoes. I, I discovered I discovered a lot of movies, including um, uh, The Killer, which I stumbled across in his book. When I found it on cable one night, I knew exactly what it was because of his description. Uh, ah. I was like, oh, my God, I think this is that movie. Uh, so I'm looking up Supercop here. Uh, I don't know if you ever listen to Doug Lug, Doug, Doug, Lug, Doug Loves Movies it's a podcast yeah. with uh, comedian uh, Doug Benson. And uh, he uses, uh, they, they would do like a betting game like we do to, to bet, to see what Leonard Malton would rate certain movies. Uh, I think he does a podcast now with his, uh, it's actually his daughter's podcast. I think she does a podcast and sometimes... He sits in and they talk movies together. Oh, that's great. Uh, uh, you know, the opposite of Leonard Maltin, though, is sometimes he would tag movies. He would kind of, I, I feel like he would critique them harshly and take points off for certain things that he just didn't like. But that's, that's, yeah, everyone's here. got their own, uh, everyone's got their own sort of taste and their own sort of uh, prejudices, you know. Okay. Uh, third in a series, uh, Benefits greatly from the presence of Michelle Yeoh, a fine action star in her own right. The two stars play cops teaming up against drug smugglers. Highlights include, uh, he, they call her Khan here because that was her, her uh, maiden name. Khan jumping a motorcycle onto a moving train and Chan dangling from a careening helicopter. Plot slows down a bit at times, but climactic action sequences make up for it. Uh, 1996 U.S. release cut to 91 Minutes. And redubbed in English with a new music score. See, that's why he was also invaluable. He would tell you those things. Yeah. Uh, so they. I mean, my God, that's so. You know, and imagine he was able to get all that into like two paragraphs. You know. <laughs> and he he cut that in. Uh, he cut that into. Uh, oh, let's see. What, can you guess what he gave it? Oh, I forget what is is five his uh, top score. I think it's four stars. Is his top. Oh, three stars. Yeah, I'm guessing you gave it three. Two and a half. Oh. Yeah, that's right in there. Bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, what, let's see what he gave Lord of the Rings. Let's see what he said. Let's see what he gave. Oh, no, no, don't ruin that for me. I just want to. Well, who knows? He might have loved it, you know. Maybe. Yeah, I'm gonna, here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a little uh, Doug Benson game. I'm okay. going to give you guys a movie, and you tell me what you think he got. It got right? I was going to open a page. Okay. Uh, this is a game we call Fun with Leonard Malton. Lilo, <laughs> Lilo and Stitch. 
Lilo and Stretch. Uh, uh, three. I'm feeling three. You say three oh, what stars? Say? What do you say? Sorry. What do you say? Well, let's. you want to hear what he said about it first? Yeah. Sure. Forlorn Hawaiian girl being raised by her older sister finds an unlikely friend at the dog pound, a monstrous alien whom she names Stitch. Meanwhile, emissaries from Stitch's planet have landed on Earth to retrieve the destructive little fellow. Lively Disney cartoon features take uh, feature takes time to warm up since Stitch is so mean-spirited, but eventually wins you over. Unique character design and beautiful watercolor backgrounds are major assets. Uh, you said three stars. John, what do you say? Yeah, I'll say three. Exactly. Yeah. Boom. See, that helps to know what he said about it. Kind of helps you score. It's right. it's almost it's almost impossible to do it. You'd have to know what his taste is 100 percent to kind of guess without the little right. Yeah. right, 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 right. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna give you one here. Iron Man three. All right. Here we go. Iron Man three. Uh, the worst one. Tony Stark learns too late that ignoring an earnest admirer. <laughs> Years earlier, has earned him a world-class enemy. Meanwhile, a menacing figure known as the Mandarin threatens him and the entire civilized world. Entertaining sequel makes Stark vulnerable again. His Iron Man suit is not functioning properly, and he must use his wife. <laughs> he must use his wits to survive and protect protect the woman. Wow. He, he must use his wife to survive. Pepper Potts, uh, filled with action mm. and spectacular visual effects, but it's the characters that make this one click. Beginning with Downey. What do you guys say? Iron Man 3. That's a tough one. I'm going to say 3. I'm going to say give it a 3. 3. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 3 stars. And check this out. It's the highest rated of th all three Iron Man movies. He gave both the of the original. Really? Two. Two and a half. I can't believe two and a half for, uh, for the original Iron Man. Yep. I'm guessing it's because... Uh, out of the, out of the three, the one where he shows the most humanity is the third one. He's really, I remember kind of leaving that going, wow, he had to kind of do it all, even without the suit. He had to really, right. you know, find, find a way to save the day without the suit, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, let's see here. here. Here, let me find another one. All right. Fistful of dollars. We, we all love it. Uh, Sagebrush remake of Yojimbo single-handedly invented the Spaghetti Western, made an international superstar of Eastwood, and boosted the careers of Leone and composer Ennio Morricone as well. Clint plays the uh, laconic man with no name, a tough gunslinger, manipulating, manipulating and manipulated by two rival families warring over a small frontier town. Amusing, violent, and very stylish. Released in the U.S. in 1967. John, what do you say? I'm going to say that he gave it a three. Jake? Does he do half scores? Yeah, he does do half scores. Two and a half. Three stars. John was right. Yeah. How about that? And as much as much as my copy was perused a million times, I, I'm not doing this from memory because it's been, it's got to be like five years since I, it's kind of sad. It's just collecting dust. I have that sitting. I right still next have to it. I still <laughs> thumb through it from time to time. It's great. I, 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 it, I used to just love right. flipping through that. I used but to, I must admit, for speed, that nothing beats just getting on the internet. Yeah, you know? I used to get it every year, and now I just. Uh, it's funny to see some of the mm -hmm. movies that he did that I didn't think about that he he did uh, that he he got around to reviewing. Hey, and Mario, remember he finally put out. It was getting where these volumes were just too big, so he finally put out one. It was all movies from like nineteen 
1930 to 1965. Right, right, right. It was like, what do you call it? Like classic movies. And right. so now he doesn't have to stuff those all into the, the latest volume, you know? Right. That was kind of fun. Right. It was like everything from like 30 to 62, I think. Oh, The Longest Day. Mm. Oh, Is that in there? Oh, yeah. Well, okay, 65. That was like, what, 62? So, yeah. yeah. Oh, that might be the we... oldest movie in there. Here we go. Lord of the Rings. The Fellowship of the Ring. Mm-hmm. Ready. Uh, sprawling, epic adaptation of the first part of J.R.R. Tolkien's trilogy about Frodo Baggins, The Hobbit. Chosen to destroy a powerful ring that threatens Middle-earth. Moves in fits and starts, but intelligent and beautifully executed by director-co-writer Jackson with phenomenal production values and a fine cast led by McKellen. Perfect as the wizard Gandalf. Won Oscars for makeup, visual effects, cinematography, and original score. Extended Extended video version runs 208 minutes. I forget the drone sets. <laughs> what, what do you say? Uh, what do you say, Jake? Uh, four, four stars. John, best movie. Yeah, he, he uses the word brilliant, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna say I gave it a four. Uh, three stars. Oh, wow. Disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's off. I hate him. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Let's really. Terrible taste. Since Patrick is in here, I have to pick on. I have to pick on Jake. All right, hold on. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, I gotta know. What did he give? Uh, Dead men don't wear plaid. <laughs> hold on. Let's let's do this one first. Stars. Let's do this one. Let's do this one. <laughs> he, he actually yeah. took stars away. Uh, That's great. Here we go. Hold on. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Billionaire Attenborough invites uh, uh, paleontologist Dean and Neil. Uh, Dern and Neil and mathematician Goldblum to exp- inspect his island amusement park populated with living dinosaurs. He even has his grandchildren tag along, blissfully unconvinced that anything could go wrong. Slam bang thriller delivers the goods with action, suspense, hair raising chills, and landmark special effects. The dinosaurs seem alive. The story can't bear such close scrutiny, but while this thrill ride is going, you won't mind. Michael Crichton co wrote the screenplay from his own novel. Won three Oscars for visual effects, sound, and sound effects. Sound effects editing. What did he give it? That's a slam bang movie, so it's got to be a four, right? John, certainly, certainly sounds like a four star review. Yeah, three and a half. Okay, he's like uh, us. I hate him. He's like I hate just. Him now. He's like us. He, we 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 will <laughs> we will we will praise the movie to heaven and give it a nine. You know what it is? Uh, because I know what he's thinking. He's thinking, is it? You know, and I'm not saying this for a laugh because it's just here, movie, but, yeah. but he's thinking, does this really, uh, is this Casablanca level? <laughs> you know, right. you know, we gave Casablanca for, right. You know, that citizen Kane got a four. So I used to read his reviews and go, is he going to give this what he gave Casablanca? <laughs> you know, right. Is it really a four? You know, dead men don't wear yeah. plaid. Uh, mm. a one joke movie based on 1940s film noir melodramas has detective Martin interacting with clips from various, uh, vintage films and a very live client. Fun at first, but with no story and cardboard characters, it wears thin fast. Film buffs will enjoy it more than the average viewer. See, that's a great review because it really, it it really instructs you. What he's trying to do is say, is it worth your time? 
you just know that that's really what it's about. Is it worth your time? You really shouldn't miss this, or maybe you can give this a pass. Right. It's, I like the the way he reviews things. It's like, is this worth your time? Yeah. <laughs> what did you think, Sean? What do you think he gave it? I think he gave it like a, like a two. Yeah. yeah. One and a half, maybe. Two stars. Yeah, two yeah. stars. Two so if you're a real film buff, if you like really enjoy movies, then you'll like it. But, you know, some people... Some people don't. It's okay. Right, here we go. That was a very instructive review. Yeah. Here we go. the movies, then you might not like it. As here much. we go. The ultimate. The ultimate. Ready? Are you ready? Mm. Yes. Zardoz. Oh, he did not review Zardoz. Oh yeah, you did. Weird. No, John. You, or Jake, you have to understand. Up to a certain point, he literally reviewed every any movie you could get on video was in the. In, on, in movies or on TV was in the book. It was a huge book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's complete. Uh, yeah. It's complete. If there's a if there's a way to watch it, if there was a way to watch it, he's he's writing about it. And his his earliest book was just about movies on TV. I think it was called television movies. Right. Because it was about in those days there was no videotape even. So his first book I think is called Movies on Television. And it's anything that was gonna be run on TV, you know. Right. Here we go. That's just impressive. Zardoz, weird sci-fi entry set in 2293 about technology gone wild in a society run by a group of eternally young intellectuals. Visually striking cult film will probably will probably leave most viewers dissatisfied. What do you guys think? What did he give it? One. He did call it visually yeah. striking. Yeah. I'm going to say he gave it a two. Two and a half. Okay. So there you go. Two and a half. Here, again, John and I always, that's the thing about Leonard Malton. We'll find the positive. However, if you read that, you go two and a half. That's not bad. You got to read the subtext. Like John said, he said yeah. he gave it two and a half, but he also says most people will be dissatisfied. So he's kind of warning that's why, you. That's, that's why it's not just, a, it's not just a book with uh Somebody might have just put it out a book with just the ratings, you know, but he's trying to steer you. Do you like sci-fi? You might want to give this a shot. Right. Do you like war movies? Right, right. This might be worth, it might be worth a gander, you know. What's another, what's another contra? Oh, let's look at his, let's, let's look at Fifth Element. I was going to do Zardoz There you last go. Me, there you that's go. That's it. That's the one. I love it. Cont- controversial in that Mario hates it. <laughs> Controversy. Controversy. <laughs> <laughs> the kink controversy. The kink. I remember the first time I heard that. I'm like, wow, is that how they say it in England? Controversy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Did the answer controversy. And mm-hmm. the answer is yes. Wow. Huh. How about that? If you're with if you're with the BBC, that is indeed the way you're introducing it. Well, I guess they just love pro- uh, pronouncing words wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right, they're wrong. Hundred <laughs> mm-hmm. percent. <laughs> the fifth element okay wildly imaginative tale set in the 23rd century where a world weary brooklyn new york cab driver finds himself involved with a strange woman who may be responsible for saving the world from destruction a visual candy store of futuristic images humor uh, i'm sorry a visual visual candy store of futuristic images but the film's strongest suit is its sense of humor. Unfortunately, it gets a bit tedious and formulaic towards the end, with Tucker's over-the-top radio host uh, hogging the spotlight. You say hogging. I say <laughs> you didn't get enough time. Embracing. Mm-hmm. What do you say, Jake? 
What did what did Len what did Lenny give it? Um, two and a half. John. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna say he gave it two and a half. Three. Okay. Yeah, okay. But but you know what's funny? So where he's coming from on that movie is where I'm coming from. It's too bad that Chris Tucker has so much screen time. <laughs> <laughs> or actually, what you should say is uh, Chris Tucker's character. I like Chris Tucker, but that character is really annoying. And it's funny that that Leonard Maltin sort of um, he picks up on that. <laughs> There's way too much time spent with that character, you know. Oh, John, how could you? John. Interesting. So t- uh, you say two and a half, huh? Yeah. No, you give it three. Wow. How about that? Well, there you go. There he's, you he's go. Tough but fair, Lenny. Tough but fair. Good Len- man, Lenny Maltz. <laughs> Lenny Maltz. I can respect it. Lenny Maltz would have been his would have been his gangster name in Goodfellas. You know, some of those screenings we caught at the Egyptian. You know, he'd be like in the you'd see him. He'd be in the last row. You know, he's not drawing any attention to himself. He's just there as a movie fan. You know, he's not there to say, "Hey, it's me." He's there because he wants to see it. You know, right? Lenny Maltz. I can't. We went to go see something. I forget where it was. Uh, it might have been like at the uh, the Arm and Hammer Museum, and. It's almost like I knew he'd be there because there was it was it was a movie that was not on on DVD. It was not something they showed on cable, and I thought he'll be there because this is the only way you're going to see it. You know, right? As a matter of fact, he was probably in the audience at the Monkey Talks. You know, that's <laughs> like there's no way you can see that. There was like you know, it was like once in a hundred years. I forgot we saw run. that. Yeah, the Monkey Talks. What do we see it with? I think that was it. That was I mean that was the main event. <laughs> you know. I don't know that that did run with anything else. That was kind of a, because somebody came out and talked about it. Uh, somebody kind of came out and gave the history of it, and then they ran it. So I think that was a one, a one shot. Are we going to find London after midnight? Well, every year that passes, it seems less likely. If it turns up, it's going to be, you know, like Czechoslovakia or Brazil or something, like Metropolis. They found it in a can that was mismarked. It was at the bottom of like a hundred other cans and it was mislabeled and it was in a place that wasn't very warm. You know, it was like right. in somebody's basement or something. So if it turns up, it's going to be in a very unlikely place uh, and probably, be, you know, probably somewhere in Eastern Europe. John, you know? tell the kids about what the monkey talks is about. So we don't feel like we're too inside here. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Just give them a, a brief. Well, uh, and you know, what's funny, Mario is I think somebody has posted this now. I think it is on YouTube or something. Some everything gets posted now, and I think that might have gotten posted by now. But um, it was an old, I guess it's not really a horror picture, it's kind of like a fantasy picture, kind of bizarre. It was a silent movie, and it was about these uh, uh, they're working in a circus, it's like a strong man and a somebody else, and then this little he's not really a midget or a dwarf, but a very short guy. And uh, his act is he dresses up like a monkey. And the, the, the suit is so uh, realistic that um, you're supposed to buy the idea that he's doing all this stuff, right. he's playing poker and sm- smoking a cigarette, riding a bicycle. And I think at some point he even talks. And um, the makeup is amazing. The makeup is done by the guy who created the classic Frankenstein makeup for Boris Karloff. Right. It's uh, Jack Pierce. This is probably the first uh, major makeup job he ever did in Hollywood. And he came up with this ape. This It's like a chimpanzee makeup. And this is... 50 years before Planet of the Apes. And it looks absolutely, absolutely realistic. So you almost believe that there's this actual monkey walking around in a suit 
smoking cigarettes, right, flirting right, with the girls, right. playing poker. Mm-hmm. And uh, we used to see pictures. There was a magazine in the 60s called Famous Monsters. And uh, they'd have these old photos from movies that just didn't exist anymore. Uh, you'd see these crazy old photos. And so we'd see this photo. It's this guy. It's a, this guy, It looks like a monkey smoking a cigarette in a cigarette holder. That's right. With his hair parted perfectly in the middle, wearing a little tuxedo. And they go, okay, this is so-and-so in The Monkey Talks, 1927, or whatever it was. And we'd go, Jesus, how weird is that? <laughs> you know, weird photo, weird synopsis, weird title. The Monkey Talks? Is this a real movie? And they always said, oh, this is a lost movie. This is like so many, you know, they said 90% of movies from the silent era are just gone because the film stock was flammable. So they'd open up a can, it would just be ashes. It's going to combust even without anybody trying to light it on fire. Right. So we used to think, well, it's too bad because the, the photos were mouthwatering. You know, it was like, wow, this looks just really bizarre, really odd. It's too bad we can't see it. So about 20 years ago, uh, I read an article and it says, well, there's one copy. It's not in great shape, but it is playable. I guess they s- struck a new print on safety film. They probably tried to rescue it digitally as well. Well, And they said, well, we made a print. It's in a vault somewhere in New York. It's at the George Eastman house in New York. We're going to send it to LA for one showing. They're going to show it at the silent movie theater one night, one time only. Then it goes back to the vault. So if you want to see it, so anybody who'd ever read about this thing, they went. So I called up my, you know, I called up Alex, my, my buddy Alex. I called up Mario. I said, because we've been making jokes for years. Like, right. Hey, the monkey talks, you know, it's such a bizarre title. The monkey talks tonight on the late show, the monkey talks. So I called Mario up. And I said, guess what? They've got a copy of the monkey talks and they're going to show it one time only out in Hollywood at the silent movie theater. And if we miss it, that's it. They're putting it back in the vault for the next 50 years. And not years. unlike uh, me uh, repeating the story about Burr Lives, I had heard about this movie for so long that I needed, I had to see it. I was yeah. like, I, I got to see so what we this went. Is. Yeah. And it, and it was fascinating. It was absolutely fascinating. It was, um, boy, if they, they, they rescued this thing just in time. There were parts of the movie where it kind of, um, there were pieces where the, the, it kind of flips. Like, it's like you're watching a negative. It was so washed out that it looks like you're watching a negative. But then it would flip back. So, you know, maybe 75% of it was uh, was rescued. And um, fascinating. Just a fascinating story. And the sort of thing you were only going to get in the 20s. Right. This is the, you know, it's the, the, the kind of batshit crazy story, you know, <laughs> yeah. set in a carnival with all this sort of like weird sort of like sideshow freaks and stuff. It was just bizarre. And it was rare in a number of, you know, it was a Fox film. Before it became 20th Century Fox, it was just Fox. And they say almost 100% of silent films from Fox do not survive. They had like a big fire at the studio. So they said almost no silent films from Fox survive. You can count them on like one hand. So the fact that anybody had a copy of this was a miracle. Right. And um, so anyway, they came out and they had somebody introduce it. They said, well, here's the circumstances. The last time they ran this was probably like 50 years ago and uh they said they just wrote they wrote this place george eastman house is like the library of congress you have to like ask them can we can we get a copy of this can we run it if we're really careful (laughs) and i think this had been rescued digitally so um anyway you look around the audience and this was a theater the silent movie theater pretty much all they ran was silent movies right so you're already talking a limited audience for a limited type of film 
but you, every seat was filled because anybody who had ever heard of this thing was there. Right. <laughs> you know, any kid who had read about it in Famous Monsters magazine. Right. Uh, How do we not so, run into Quentin Tarantino there? I'm still thinking about that to this day. I well, you know who knows? It was a it was a full house. Who knows who was there? We would have heard him. You know, we would have heard him. Um, as a matter of fact, the, the thing that blows my mind is um, who's the guy that did the Buster Keaton documentary? Uh, Kevin Brownlow. Yes. He just got an honorary Oscar because he does all these. Uh, he rescues all these films. He's the one that rescued uh, Abel Gantz's uh, Napoleon. He's done documentaries on Chaplin, Keaton, and Lloyd. He's the the foremost. Uh, he's the foremost expert on silent movies, and he wrote a great big book called um, "The Parades Gone By." Oh yeah, I and, remember that. We, yeah, yeah. And it was like in the seventies. He interviewed every last person who was still alive that remembered the silent movie. Era. Right, right. So I saw him at something and I got him to sign my Keaton hard act to follow. I, I, I had him sign the videotape of that, uh, the sign of the box. And uh, he said, hang on to that because they're never going to put it on DVD and they're never going to run it on, on cable. He said, the rights ran out. So any copy you've got of this, you better hang on to because they're never going to reproduce it. But it blew my mind because I shook his hand. I got his autograph, and I said, "Oh, by the way, Mr. Brownlow, are you? You know they're running the Monkey Talks up the street tomorrow night at the Silent Movie Theater." And he just his eyes got kind of bugged out. He's all, "Really? <laughs> Somebody's running the Monkey Talks?" <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> and I thought, "Wow, this is the guy I mean, to get a reaction from this guy." You tipped him. He's seen everything. You, know? you tipped him off. He's uh, well. You know what he said? He said, "Oh, he says I have to fly back. I'm flying back to uh, to England." He says, "Damn." I'm gonna miss that because I I'll be in I'll be up in the air. I would have canceled Damn. my flight. I know. Right? So I thought I thought this is how I thought this is how rare this movie is, and it got a reaction because you figure he's seen everything. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> John. What did you rate the Monkey Talks on a scale of one to ten? Oh Christ! You know, well that gets a scale of its own. You know, it's like it was, I, I, for I, for sheer for sheer originality and weirdness, it's a ten. You know, I mean Christ, yeah. the fact that exi- the fact that it exists is a ten, and the fact that you are seeing the first Jack Pierce makeup job, and that it's he hits it right out of the park. Where are you going to find a guy that can do that kind of makeup? You know. Hold on, I'm looking it up online right now. Yeah, yeah but it's, think, it, it's up on YouTube. It's up on do you the YouTube. That's the, so, you know, it's funny. There used to be a time where you'd go, wow, is that rare? You know? It's- I, I promise this will be a shorter story. They ran another one that was super rare called Seven Footprints to Satan. One print, you know, Library of Congress, one print, period, never gets run anywhere. They ran that one about 10 years ago out at the ranch in Agura. They ran it outdoors on a great big screen in Agura. Same thing. Every silent movie maniac was there to see it. When it was over, I went up to the projectionist and I said, wow, that's great. And he says, yeah. He says, but, you know, somebody's already posted this online. And I said, really? And he wow. said, yeah. He said, you know, one copy. And he says, maybe there's a second copy somewhere because somebody has just uploaded this online. And he says, it wasn't our copy because it's right here. You know? <laughs> wow. I'll tell you what, the, the monkey talks, it's available on, it looks like they filmed it. They filmed it at a, at a screening, so it does not look good. I'll tell you okay. that. I'll tell you that. Oh, somebody, it she must have been, it. I'll bet you somebody was, somebody had a camera in the back of the silent movie. Theater, maybe, you know? maybe. 
It does not look good, though. Yeah. But you can find it if you want to look. Just look up the monkey talking. You well, in a way, that's great. It's great that you don't have to. You know, in the old days, you'd have to find out about something and be there, and it was one time only. It's kind of great that all you got to do is get online to see it. Yeah. But it, the, the guy at the ranch in Agura said, all right, seven footprints to Satan. It's online, but there's nothing like watching it with 200 people outdoors right. on a great big screen with yeah. a guy playing the piano. You know, there's somebody there with a piano playing along with it. And he said, you're never going to reproduce that. You know? Right. Right. Uh, John, are you, are, are Jan, John or Jake, are you watching Wednesday on, uh, on Netflix? Does anybody watch it? Mm -mm. No, I, I don't have Netflix. I heard it was really good. You yeah. watching it? No, I'm things. not. I'm not watching it. I'm surprised Jake isn't because it's Tim Burton. Oh, shit. It got great, right. it got great reviews. It would be worth seeing just to see uh, uh, Luis Guzman do um, uh, Gomez. Yeah, I'm going to have to check it out. All right. That's it, That's it, guys. That's it for this week. Oh, by the way, if you haven't watched the, the finale of Andor, Andor was, it was fantastic. John, did you watch it? I'm still two behind. They, oh. I got two to go. Perfect. It was a great show. I can't wait for season two. Uh, watch it if you like. If you have any inkling, if you like any Star Wars at all, give it a shot. I know people are saying it's boring and it's dull. Those people are stupid. I'm just going to tell you right now: stupid, stupid, stupid. Um, uh, not really. It's not everybody's cup of tea because it is kind of slow. But give it a shot. If you like Star Wars, you're probably going to like it. Anyway, I love you guys, Jake. You you really brought it today, Jake, and you really had to do the job of three people, and I appreciate you. <laughs> I appreciate yeah, you know. I appreciate you, do, right? I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you <laughs> your consistency. I appreciate all of your help. <laughs> you know, I appreciate that, man. I just want you to know. All right. It means a lot. It means yeah, yeah. a lot that you say that. But. You know, because a lot of us could be taking time off right now. It's a busy, you know, it's the time of the year. Yeah. You know, a lot of us could be out at Disneyland right now having a good time. Well, let's not put too fine a point on it, my friend. Let's no, just say that a lot I, of us no, could be. No, that was just, you know, the first thing that pops in my yeah, head. It was we, not directed at anything. Could be a knots. But, could be a know. knots. Could be a magic mountain. Yeah. I love it. Not to put too fine a point on it. <laughs> 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 I'm not on Mr. Toe's wild ride as we speak. Right. Yeah, right, right, you know. Right. Uh, you can fly, you can fly, you can fly. That's not that. Nope. I want to hear Mario do a medley of all the Disney tunes. It's the one thing that's not owned by Disney. You like how I pulled that out? Thank you very much. I did. That was great. Thank you, thank I you, love you. it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, da dee da yeah da da yeah da dee da dee da yeah yeah da dee da 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 now Mario will do the entire score of Fantasia, starting with Stravinsky, The Rights of Spring. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> it's like watching. It's like walking down Main Street when they got like the medley pumping out of the speakers. You know? Uh, I know. I can feel this. I can just. I can just picture walking down Main Street in my head right now, Mario. Uh, oh yeah, you know, walking down Main Street. Walking down Main Street here. You hear da da dee da dee da dee da do 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 da dee da 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 dee da 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 there you go. How's that? Welcome to the happiest place on earth. I don't know why I'm doing it that way. <laughs> I don't know. But something tells you you have that box set that's all the Disneyland soundtrack. <laughs> uh, actually, if you go online and you find uh, uh, Arthur Fiedler... Old Timers Night at the Pops. I think I've mentioned this on the show before. It's a show from the Boston Pops, and it's all stuff like Sidewalks of New York, uh, The Bowery, everything that they played on America Sings, right? And it's recorded yeah. in, like, the early 60s, and everybody in the audience sings along, and it blows my mind. It blows my oh, mind wow. that these songs, really? within a generation, all those songs are just lost. Like, you could be, you know... It's like, you know, and the band played on and, and Daisy, you know, it's all these crazy songs and they're, and people are singing full voice. Uh, and it's just like within a generation that all, all, that's all gone. It's nuts to me. You're right. You're it's, right. It's nuts to because me. Because what's considered a standard now would be like stuff from the 50s and 60s. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, but our grandparents remembered Daisy and uh, right. Bicycle Built for Two and right. all that stuff, right. you know. It was stuff that in it was... Good old summertime. Yeah, exactly. I'll send it to you. It's crazy to listen to uh, because people are singing... Uh, full, and then it ends with everybody singing Tarara Boomdier. And it's like, wow, this is weird. Was there a lady on a trapeze and weird pantaloons? Uh, what year do you think that is? That what, what year do you think that is? I think it's early 60s. It's Arthur Fiedler. Because in the, it seems in the to me what, Pops. They, what he's what they're trying to do is uh, they're trying to to uh, capitalize on those uh, sing along with Mitch records, maybe, which is weird because that that's what those are. You put on those records, it's like a sing along. It's people singing. Along. Yeah, everybody knows the words. It's crazy. You hear you hear the audience singing. Yeah. Uh, you know. I wonder. I wonder if they've got like a bouncing ball. If there's a screen, with maybe. Lyrics, you know, maybe. Like, they used yeah. to do the thing like follow the bouncing ball. Right, you know? right. Yeah, I don't know where, you know, it was the Boston Pops, so I don't know where it would have been, their, you know, what their home, you know, you know what their their venue is. I got to look that up online. I'm going to look that up online. Yeah, I'll send it to you. It's called Old Timers Night at the Pops. And apparently this medley, I found it in other places, the same exact medley done in other, it's weird, it's a weird, uh, but yeah, I, it's something I stumbled across uh, in the Napster days, and it just fascinated me. That everybody knew those songs. It was crazy. I was like, "Wow, uh, you know, uh, how does it go?" And the band played on. Uh, yeah, unless you hear somebody that doing. Be, that's like our grandparents, you know. Right, it's like um, right. That's what it takes. A, a generation passes away, and then nobody knows those songs. Right. So what? One of these days, this might happen to my girl Rihanna. So I'm really nervous now. But uh, yeah. Hopefully we'll keep that alive. We'll keep the umbrella Ella Ella alive. All right. A A A. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's wrap it up now. Yeah. <laughs> 
Joe's best theme. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't know why I started singing like that. It's like See, Mario does that for fun, but you get the feeling that in his heart of hearts, he kind of digs it. And you walk across, then you walk right across the sidewalk. You walk right across the sidewalk, and you start hearing "Yole, yole, yole, yole." What is that like a calliope? It's the it's the uh, song from uh, it's from uh, Alice in Wonderland when you're waiting for when you're waiting for the when you're waiting for the teacups. Yeah. Oh, it's the tea party music. Yeah. Hey, John, we got to go in like two minutes, but I got to tell you real quick. Did you see what the plans for are for the Disney for what they're going to do with the Tarzan treehouse? No. Buckle your buckle your belts. Buckle your seatbelts. They're going to change it. Hmm. To the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse. Never mind. I like that. Oh, they're they're changing it back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow, because there's an entire generation that never knew it right. as the Swiss Family right. Robinson Treehouse. Right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there you go. That's all That's I got to crazy. tell you. Are they get, Are they going to make a movie out of? I mean. No, nope. it's unheard of for them to do a ride that's not tied in with a movie. Dude, 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 dude. I think they're just trying to scrub all association with Phil <laughs> Collins. <laughs> With the Eisner years? With, no, with <laughs> Phil Collins. So, you know, just trying to get rid of that. Oh, hole, well, that's, so. that's okay by me. I don't know. It, it seemed like it was a cooler treehouse. When it was the Swiss Family Robinson treehouse, it was cooler. Your F&A right it, it was. Looked more like a, it looked more like a real treehouse with the pipe organ and all that stuff. Yep. Uh, stuff that they had salvaged from the shipwreck. And I don't, the Tarzan always looked a little half-assed, you know. Yeah, the lazy years. There's some lazy years. They got, they got lazy. I mean, they've, yeah. never, they've never went back and fixed... They've never gone back to fix any of the stuff that's malfunctioned in Indiana Jones. You know, the stuff that never worked. Right. You know, it, it worked like right. the first year and they just never fixed it. And uh, yeah, it's weird. Like all the money they've got, it's kind of amazing. It, it's with, with the kind of money they spend, it's kind of amazing that just basic stuff. Right. Like, it, it's, fix, it's weird that they'll go know, in, they'll go in every year and paint, uh, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean and stick Johnny Depp in there. But you can't fix the doors that Indiana Jones is trying to hold closed or, yeah. you know, fix those little effects that make the ride. It's like, why? I don't understand. It's weird. They, they just have certain I pet projects and that, you know, I guess because Indiana Jones isn't a Disney property per se. Uh, they got to cut money somewhere. Yeah, and weird. you don't have Walt around saying, uh-uh, it's all got to work. It's all eat that little window at the top. It's all got to look right. Right. You know, he used to shut, he used to shut things down. He just go, nope. Clean that off. You know, sweep that doorway before we're going to open that up. You know? Right, like, right. That's, you know. Yeah, we won't be having a cup. We won't be having a Starbucks cup in our in our ride oh, in our right. movie, wow. our right. show. Okay, hmm. we could go on this. We could go. About, on about I know. This. I'm going to say. I'm not going to say another word because I could go on for another half hour on the on the uh, New Orleans Square. Jake, uh, why don't you play us out to that? I'm gonna, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna do the. All right, here we go. Ready? All right, for Jake. For, <laughs> I almost wanted to keep doing it 
So yeah, so you won't. Uh, so keep going, man. I forget. It's a little longer than that, but you'd think that Jake worked in Fantasyland. You get the feeling that he was the the ticket taker right in front of the. Uh, you know, I would want to be. I would want to work on the Matterhorn just like here. You you know you wouldn't get uh, taken by the aliens from uh, Mars Attacks if you worked at the. Uh, it's amazing Matterhorn. that nobody ever went postal working the Matterhorn. You know, like, <laughs> you'd think that somebody would just go. You know, somebody in later those would just go. That, yeah, that's it. I, I can't take another I second of this. It. I love it. <laughs> All right, boys and girls, for Jake, for John, for Patrick, we say, for why did I say Patrick? For Jake, for John, and for myself. Yeah. And for the absent Patrick and Justine, we say this transition ends now. Fight the power. Fight the power.